1: football's first cult hero who's like a morbidly obese goalkeeper there's stories about him like throwing opposition attackers into his own goal net
2: we are joined by afc finners aka finley how are we doing mate
1: very good thank you thanks having me on
2: it is a pleasure mate and today you are going to be talking us through the fa cup fight the fa cup history um now this is a a feature that we're going to be running once a month where we focus on a part of english football history and because tommy has been so intrigued as to why the fa cup is so important in the uk and why it has so much history we thought we'd start off here so um tommy are you ready to talk fa cup
0: Yeah, I'm ready to talk FA Cup with uh, an expert like AFC Finners. He's got a channel on YouTube. It was Rory again. It's Rory who finds the cool people on Twitter and YouTube. (laughs) Um, So before we start, Finley, do you want to tell us a little bit about your project, how people can find your videos on YouTube, and how to find you on other social media as well? Uh,
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, also a channel is called AFC Finners, and you can find me on YouTube. For the most part, we're focused on, um, like, sort of, Somewhat obscure areas of football history sometimes do big deals as well, but it's kind of about telling cool stories some history of the beautiful game. A little bit like uh, you will have seen on Tifo or HITC Sevens, but like we've got like a series of topics for like in terms of Italian football, I've covered um, Grande Torino, Nereo Rocco, but there's all kinds of different topics that I've covered as well. Start as like um, like Dixie Dean. Um, the 1978 World Cup, probably the most controversial World Cup of all time. And I also do ground hopping videos um, from time to time. So I've got um, two up at the moment, including one when I went to Portsmouth versus Shrewsbury last week. I've got two that I'm currently working on. And yeah, I've got uh, nearly 60 videos out now. I only started back in March. But yeah, it's um, all kinds of different areas of football history, people you may or may not have heard about. Um, but, yeah, we just cover every area of football history we can. We're trying to, like, tell stories that people may not have heard of so that footballing legends that get the credit they deserve can have their names enshrined in history permanently.
2: Nice.
1: Yeah. So I was just going to say, uh, also, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's just AFC Finners. If you just search, you'll be able to find them there. But yeah, just search FC Fitness, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you'll be able to find me easily. So I just forgot to add that on the end.
2: <laughs> it's all right. Beautiful. That sounds right up our street. I think we, we have done a few kind of documentary type things in our first series. I don't know about you, Tommy, but I really enjoyed them. So I think we're excited to kind of do a bit more of it this year. Um So are we ready to go? Let's do FA Cup history.
0: I'm ready to roll. So uh, this was pretty fun because when we had our first talk and we kind of uh, talked about the possibility of having like a regular feature on the show, we could cover different areas of English history or general football history with Finlay. It kind of came natural to start with the FA Cup So I'm going to ask you right off the bat, Finlay, why is the FA Cup the first thing that came to our mind? Why is every football fan aware of the history of this cup and of how much importance it has in English football?
1: Okay, so basically, I think in a lot of the top European leagues, the kind of domestic cup competitions like the Coppa Italia, DFB, Pacal, Coppa del Rey, certainly do matter if teams win them. But I think there's something... Something special about winning the FA Cup, and I think a big part of it comes from the fact it is the oldest cup competition in the world. So it was founded in 1871 before any other cup competition, so it was kind of um, the cup that like created football as we know it. Um, and like the phrase, the magic of the FA Cup, it is very cliche, but at the same time, it is very true. There's just like the FA Cup has just generated so many amazing stories that we'll be able to cover and like, like underdog stories and kind of r- romantic runs and like the the, the story, the political um, stories behind it as well in terms of how it was founded and how like it led to the dawn of professionalism in football are just really interesting. And I don't think there's a tournament other than perhaps the World Cup that's had such huge impact on football as we know it, even the Champions League. It certainly has changed football a lot But I think it was the FA Cup that really turned football from just a game that people played for the fun of it into the institution that we know.
0: And just to give a little bit of context, because when we think about 1871, uh, none of us were alive. None of you listeners were alive, most likely. And if you are, congratulations for making it this far. Um, But just to give a little bit of context. So in 1870, 1871, the Franco-Prussian War was underway Countries like Ireland and Poland didn't really exist. They were under, respectively, the former United Kingdom of England and Ireland, and Poland were under the Russian Empire. The vast majority of the Balkan Peninsula was occupied by the Ottoman Empire, and Italy had been an independent country for two years only, and Rome would be appointed capital on July 1st that year. Talking about events, specific events, uh, we have a few sporting ones. On March 27th, 1871, the first Rugby Union International resulted in a 1-0 win by Scotland over England. On May 4th, for our American listeners, the first supposedly major league baseball game took place in the United States. Trade unions were also legalized in the United Kingdom by the Trade Union Act of 1871 and funnily enough the first cat exhibition was held at the Crystal Palace of London but talking about inventions for maybe the biggest one of that year was Antonio Meucci patenting the teletrofono, which was an ancient version of the telephone. So this was a little bit the state of the world, but there was also another big thing that was taking over many different countries, including England, which was the railway system, which in a way allowed the FA Cup to start and actually take the shape that we know now. So Finley and Rory, from this moment on, I'm going to be a listener. I'm going to just bask in you two, bombing me with information about this beautiful competition. And Finlay, I will let you start from wherever you want.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, in line with what Tommy said, the invention of the railway was a huge part of um, development of the FA Cup, because basically it was 1863 that the um, FA was officially founded. Sheffield FC. With the first professional club. And so for those first um, eight years, teams would just tend to play friendlies against each other. There wouldn't be um, huge amounts of prize money. Um, and then, but obviously over the years, it kind of became essentially an eternal preseason. Like, friendlies are all well and good, but there's only, it's kind of once the game is wrapped up and done, it has no consequence. There was like no prize money on offer, and there wasn't much incentive other than a bit of pride. Um, but then, like, with the invention of the railway, like, say, a team in Newcastle playing team in Southampton, obviously, it's it's hard enough nowadays getting the train up and down there, but imagine having to go there in horse-drawn carriage or whatever, or maybe even boat. It would have been a nightmare. But then with the invention of railways, it's a lot easier to do something like that. And um, the secretary of the FA, named Charles Alcock, remembered when he was at Harrow, uh, for non-English listeners, at a posh public school, they. Um, they basically used to play like sort of uh, knockout uh, cup competitions amongst that school and he kind of said, Hmm, maybe we could have something like this for um for English football because he again he noticed like now that teams could go further distances to play each other, there was an opportunity to give them sort of a guarantee of fixtures and like have give them something to play for. So the FA Cup uh, first take place in um eighteen seventy one. And uh, basically, it, it wasn't actually that popular at first because, um, like on my notes, it was at the time there were fifty five zero members of the FA. Invites were sent to all of them to take part, but only fifteen one five would respond, and then three more teams withdrew before the tournament even began. But then it was uh, Wanderers against Royal Engineers in the first FA Cup final, and Charles Alcock, the man who proposed the idea of the FA Cup. Was the captain of Wanderers who would win?
2: Now the the original teams they were majority made up of private schools, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. when, when was it that the working classes started to come into the game? Because I think there was an image of the game where it was middle class, and then it suddenly kind of changed to working class. When and how did that happen?
1: So basically, the first significant step in that was when uh, Blackburn Rovers reached the final in eighteen eighty two. They were the uh, first like Team that weren't like related to anything like that, uh, like reaching a final. Um, but the, but they had also, but basically, there was another team in Blackburn called Blackburn Olympic. But the thing is, with like all these public school teams, they all worked as like lawyers or bankers or very well paid jobs, and so they could they could easily go from London to another city to play a game and not have to worry about um losing out, but um, if but like teams like Blackburn Olympic all worked in factories. So if they had to take a day out of work to go and play a football game, they would lose a lot of money. And like, if, um,
0: yeah, and, and I think it's extremely fitting that the Trade Union Act happened exactly in 1871. I don't think it went as far as justifying workers for taking a day off to miss football, but at least there was starting to be a sort of conscience around the right of workers, and especially in a country like England, for the factory workers, I think. Oh, definitely. Well, it's
1: um, if anybody's seen the Netflix series, The English Game, it, um, it really symbolizes the whole... Thing at the time, like, it is about this kind of era. Some of the facts are taken and so given artistic license, alternated slightly. But in a nutshell, all these um people playing for teams like Old Etonians didn't understand um the um the lives of the factory workers. But then Arthur Kinnear, he kind of develops and realizes what they have to go through. But then it was um in a but then Blackburn Olympic, uh, they had all these um factory and mill workers but a lot of them seemed to be maybe paid under a table because at the time you weren't legally allowed to get paid for playing football because it was an amateur game at blackburn olympic they were able to reach the final and they had a coach called jack hunter who was a former england international he took them on to blackpool for training for a week before the final and then they faced um Old Etonians and won 2 1. And they were the first non public school side to win the FA Cup. And like it was the first Northern team against all the odds. And that was the end of the Elitist domination of the FA Cup. Um, but then after they won it, a lot of the players went across the road to join Blackburn Rovers. And again, they, they had a player called Fergus Suter, who is the main character of the TVCs called The English Game. And he um, stopped working as a stonemason when he joined a side called Darwin. And then he joined Blackburn Rovers in 1880. And many believe that was because he was being offered wages by Blackburn Rovers.
2: Now, this is a this is a key thing that you're raising. That the FA Cup really did kind of speed up or kind of encourage the process of the professionalization of yeah. the game and that is obviously a key moment in the history of football but there's a name that you mentioned there that i wanted to kind of highlight a little bit i find him quite interesting is arthur Kenned, okay so he won the yeah. fa cup five times and appeared in nine finals how key was this guy to the fa cup and to the professionalization of the game
1: yeah well i think he was like a key early symbol for the fa cup because he like again it's like i don't entirely know how it is but like he did like like in the English game you do see that he kind of understands the plight that people like Fergus Souter were going through but after he um, after being um, after he retired from football he would become president of the FA for 33 years and military he's he won the FA Cup so many times that he was actually recognized um, he, he received recognition for what he did by actually being given the first FA Cup trophy so um, so in 1911 uh, the second, FA Cup trophy they had which replaced the first one that was stolen from a shop window we could come back to that if you want um, basically <laughs> due to his so in 1911 due to his services to football Arthur Kane was presented with the FA Cup trophy and he was allowed to keep it and that FA Cup trophy was replaced by the famous one that we know now
2: very nice well getting his own FA cup trophy and it, obviously the guy was key as you said in the formation of professional football but one of th- another thing that the um the FA Cup is really famous for of course is and you mentioned it the magic of the cup and even back in the beginning we had one of the first upsets now i wa- I know you wanted to talk about one of them in particular but what was the kind of headline um upset in the FA cup around this period
1: okay so so what the um first major ones was um The Notts County when they won the FA Cup because they won it um, as a third division side, and that was in 1894. They beat Bolton Wanderers in the final, while their players got a hat trick, and like that was that that was kind of after it had really opened up because after um, that Blackburn Olympic victory. Mentions like loads of teams started to get their name on the trophy. So Aston Villa, West Brom, Preston North End, um, all all got all won the trophy for the first time in the 1880s. And like, and then it was, yeah, Notts County won as the third division side, which proved there could be big cup shops, uh, shock. Sorry, and then seven years later, Tottenham Hotspur, who at the time were a non league team, were able to win the FA Cup in 1901, which is probably. The most the, the last well, the trophy probably. they've won. <laughs> it's, it's strange It's strange that <laughs> they can win a trophy as a non league team, but then in the Premier League, spending hundreds of millions. So, oh, well, short that, loving this. <laughs> that's
0: how life goes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, th- those were like the first initial shocks, but I think they really coincided with the dawn of professionalism because players were able to, like, because like players who had talent but also had to combine their lives with um, like work, like it didn't have to be they based their lives around the like the factories anymore, they could focus on the game. But um, going back to the professionalism, the really significant um, thing that happened around like, uh, the mid-1880s um, basically in 1884 Preston knocked out a London based side called Upton Park no relation to West Ham, but that's where they were based. And Upton Park basically complained saying that Preston players are being paid, so they almost had been cheated. And then a lot of of clubs joined in their anger, and over 30 of them said, Right, we're going to make our own FA where we can be paid to play football. And then eventually the FA said, All right, we'll let you be paid. It's kind of like, it's a little bit like what happened in rugby if they found a solution that worked for everyone. But in because there could have been easily a case of like a different form of football existed, like there's rugby league and rugby union. But thankfully, they sorted out, and we have football as we know it. Um, but if those sides had um, gone and made their own FA, heaven knows what football would be like today.
2: Okay, so you mentioned again that the FA Cup wasn't always that popular. When was the moment when it became hugely popular? Now, I, th- I think for me, when I was researching, the first final at Wembley seemed like a real kind of um turning point for the cup but had it always been popular or was that the moment it really took off
1: that that was certainly um a watershed moment but i wouldn't say like the fa cup didn't have a lot of popularity before then because you have to think like that was the showpiece event of like that that was like the world cup final back then because there wasn't mm-hmm. like anything there wasn't anything that even came close it was either fa cup or friendlies um, like they often like before, then the FA Cup final was hosted in uh, Chris not not Selhurst Park, but staying called Crystal Palace. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a, a arena. I can't remember its suffix, but like basically, it's just like an athletics ground in uh, Crystal Palace, and that's where all the finals used to be played. But when um, it was that 1923 FA Cup final, one of the reasons they did build Wembley was for that because they knew like what a big occasion that was in the footballing calendar and they thought it was fitting of a better stadium and but obviously that was the famous white horse final and in typical typical FA fashion they didn't plan it out properly at all um, but ended up being one of the most famous FA Cup finals in history
0: why did it become one of the most famous ones so basically
1: what happened is that was the first I like said the first ever FA Cup final to be hosted at Wembley. It was between Bolton and West Ham, and the FA said, we're not going to do tickets because we got more than enough space to um put get everyone in, and they didn't have more than enough space to get everyone in because basically people turned up in their droves because they wanted to see the first ever FA Cup final at the new Wembley it's estimated anywhere between 200 and 300,000 people turned up and then they poured out onto the pitch and it looked like the game wasn't going to go ahead. But there's an iconic image of a policeman riding in on the white horse, dispersing the crowd. And they eventually managed to push them to the side of the pitch. And um, ever since it's been known as the white horse final because the police officer called George Scorey riding out on Billy the white horse and um, but it's like that kind of shows how popular it was that that many people were so desperate to get in.
0: Do you do you think that's the moment that sort of marked the, the beginning of football as we know it? Is that the moment where England kind of realised that there was so much following behind the sport?
1: Yeah, I, I certainly think um, that could be the case because you also have to think that was 1923. A nation was still licking its wounds from the First World War. And I think, um, you know, it was only uh, about five or so years after it had been stopped. So many people have lost loved ones. So many people have been traumatised by what they see, uh, sorry, what they had seen. So just having an event like that, it was just escapism. And that's what football has been so often for people. And I think, yeah, you, I certainly agree with what you say. Like it was, it was a kind of watershed moment in showing just how popular football was. Because again, at the Euros final this year, we had a capacity, but there were fans breaking in to stadium, like getting past stewards, like at Wembley again, like almost a hundred years later. So, kind of, kind of shows, like, you see what I mean. There's parallels even within a hundred years of just how much people want to see a big event at Wembley like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Rory, you had a question, I believe,
2: and there was one more person that you wanted to talk about within the FA Cup. He's quite a historical character. Who is he and yes. uh, what was his story?
1: Yeah, So it's um, William Folk. He was a goalkeeper for um, Sheffield United and Chelsea. Some people might have heard of it. There was a section about him in whole histories. But in a nutshell, he was kind of football's first cult hero. He was like a morbidly obese goalkeeper. There's stories about him like throwing opposition attackers into his own goal net. But in one FA Cup final, there was a truly bizarre incident Where um, Sheffield United played Southampton and Southampton scored a goal that meant the game went to a replay. And William Folk felt that the goal shouldn't have been allowed. So after the game, he went um, unclothed and chased the referee, complaining about the decision. And the referee had to hide in the locker um, before and whilst William Folk was outside, and people had to turn away before he took the door off the locker by his hinges um thankfully sheffield united won the replay heaven knows what would have happened if southampton won
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is an incredible story when you said he was known to do something to the opposition players i thought something like throwing sandwiches at them but no instead instead (laughs) he just threw them inside the goal he certainly wouldn't
1: waste a sandwich (laughs)
0: yeah 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 yeah. i feel like a few years back there was a similar um character in a maybe in an fa cup game that was eating a sandwich on the on the bench yeah Uh,
1: that was i've forgotten his name but yeah it was sutton's goalkeeper and basically i think the very controversial sun newspaper had like odds of him eating a pie wayne shaw that was his name they put odds (laughs) on him eating a pie during the game and then He was seen eating a pie during the game, and then it turned out he'd been prompted to do that by the bookies and had to actually quit his job. Yeah. It was a very bizarre story, but I'd expect nothing less from the sun.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. But so is that maybe that's also one of the reasons why the FA Cup has got so much following because, like, these bizarre events could also take place with so many teams involved. But how come that after this, uh, after reaching its peak, we could say the FA Cup started losing a little bit of following, and there was there was a period when it kind of went down, and recently it has gained uh, the same interest that it has that it had before. Why do you think that happened?
1: Um, I think the obvious answer is um, the rise of the uh, Champions League. Like when it uh, changed in 1992, there was. I mean, it's difficult to pinpoint when exactly it, because you sort of like, because you can obviously see in the League Cup, like how teams put on their weaker sides. But I guess it was maybe like late 2000s and stuff, because you could see in the 1990s, like it was still dominated by the top teams, Man United, Arsenal, and Chelsea. And it still was in the 2000s, but you felt like you kind of like when teams would go out of the FA Cup in the late 90s and early 2000s, you would feel like they would go in the dressing rooms and feel like it was the end of the world, but like, when that happens, maybe towards the late 2000s, they could still think, hmm, I, well, it's okay, we've still got the Premier League and FA Cup. But I also, I, I think it, there's, it's kind of a double-edged thing because there is that aspect of, you look at Arteta, you think people will look at the FA Cup and think, well, if we win that, um, it can keep me in the job. But then you look at the other side, Louis van Gaal, he won the FA Cup and still got sacked. Um, so it's kind of, but I think, I certainly think in recent years, I think it's, Regains a lot of that magic. I think the Leicester thing um, has really shown that because that, like that, that was just like incredible. That final, just the whole build-up, just constantly mentioning how you know they'd lost four finals and never won it. It just felt like destiny. Um, I feel like the whole story of Wigan as well like really showed how magical it could be. Um, but it's just like um, I-, I think a lot of it is the case of like the early rounds as well. Because you get, like, um, if you remember, like, Lincoln City's run to the quarterfinals a few years ago. But I think to, like, lower league fans as well. Like, I remember it was in 11-12, uh, uh, like, Cheltenham, my local side, reached the FA Cup third round. I remember being sat in front of the telly and it was like, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? And then Tottenham Hotspur away. <laughs> so we got to go to White Hart Lane and got to see, you know, Harry Redknapp, um, And, like, sadly, Bale wasn't playing for Tottenham that day, but, you know, we got to do an away day to White Hot Lane. They lost 3 0. But it's just little things like that. It's just like pinning up the lower league teams against the Premier League teams. And I think maybe for a long time, the magic kind of went down to the lower leagues. And even though nobody from the lower leagues won the FA Cup, there was certainly that appreciation. But, yeah, it's, it's like, I feel like in maybe the past couple of years, the interest in it has certainly come back. But it's difficult to sort of see. The pinpoint moment where that would have happened, maybe it was Arsenal's comeback against Hull, just because that was like probably the most dramatic FA Cup final we'd seen in such a long time.
0: Um, so exactly, talking you, you just gave me a great leeway to talk about this. What are um, what are the biggest upsets? We selected. We selected a bunch of good ones, but if we had to pinpoint three big upsets in FA Cup history, which ones would you pick, Finn?
1: Um, So I would say, um, I think the one we mentioned uh, about Tottenham, like, you know, a non-league side winning the FA Cup, that is just pure insanity. No matter how different the game was back then, that is just madness. I think... um, the the one I just mentioned as well with Wigan. Like they were side the, you know, a couple of, a few days after winning Cup the FA Cup got relegated. And they were like facing prime Mancini Man City. And yet in the final, they absolutely dominated Man City. Callum McManaman turned into Cristiano Ronaldo. And I just don't it was just so such an unlikely result. And it was just so romantic, so beautiful. And it was like again they got relegated a couple of days later and it was like well who cares? They'll always have that FA Cup to boast about. Because pe- people said... like, I remember on like the radio, they would always say, would you rather stay up and win the FA Cup? But it's like, at the end of the day, Wigan are in like, League One now, but they can always say, they won that FA Cup. If they stayed up, they might have just got relegated next season. So you see what I mean? And I think... um in terms of the third... I think there's um, another one we mentioned. Is, um 1973 uh, between uh, Sunderland and Leeds. Leeds had won the FA Cup for the first time the year before. And I think they just won the league title again. So looking to do a double, I need to double check that. But then like, Sunderland were a second division side. And there's actually a famous clip where uh, Brian Clough and Bobby Charlton are doing punditry before the game. And Brian Clough basically says, there is absolutely no chance that Leeds will not win this game. Bearing in mind his contempt for Leeds, that was quite a strong thing for him to say. But then Bobby Charlton said, I don't know, Brian. I think Sunderland have a chance. And then Sunderland won 1-0, and their goalkeeper Jimmy Montgomery made the best double save you'll probably ever see.
0: Yeah, I, I will have to I will have to look that up. But besides the standout games, it wouldn't be football without Arsenal blowing it. And we, we actually have two games <laughs> lost by Arsenal in the final, one in the 1932-1933 season. loss against Walsall um, in the third division of the northern section, which just sounds like very, very low. And then also in 1991, 1992, Arsenal lost their final to Wrexham 2-1 with goals by Mikey Thomas and Steve Watkin. More recently, we had the Shrewsbury beat Everton 2-1 2-1 in the 2002-2003 season and um and I guess these are some of the biggest ones even Wigan uh beating Man City in 2012-2013 um as you as you as you just mentioned so quite a few upsets in the final. so it's a tournament that really like pushes people's expectations until the end. But one last question I wanted to ask you: Why do you think the FA Cup is so popular in England, while in Italy, Coppa Italia is the opportunity to make your second-string keeper get a breath a breath of fresh air on the pitch?
1: Okay, so I'm glad you asked that question because there's a lot of like there's a lot of different reasons. But I think, um, well, the key look, I think there's the obvious aspect that the FA Cup is the oldest tournament we know so there is it's got so much more history but I think in terms of the way it's set up it's very straightforward like teams so say you're a non-league team you go for the qualifiers and then you're in the first round you could beat a league two team then you're up against a famous championship team um it's just the way it's set up means there will be those giant cup draws like you can get something like Man City playing Cheltenham in the FA Cup this season or Marine against Tottenham but the way the Coppa Italia is set up, um, I have pardon me, I have looked this up and it's like, am, am I right in saying that the top uh, top teams will enter in the round of 16, won't they? Yep, they do. Yeah, which is a very late stage for a team to enter a tournament. But then kind of all the lower league Italian teams kind of eat each other before then. And at the very best, like say there's a fourth division Italian team, they'll mm-hmm. get to, let's just say they get to the round of 16 and they beat Juventus one at home. They still have to travel to Turin for that second leg.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. True, so true, true, true.
1: it's it it's just even if you do get that giant match, a giant killing is so unlikely because realistically that kind of level of giant killing is a one-off. You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to pull it off over two legs. Um, and I think like there's also the Coppa Italia like just hasn't like had the opportunity to make that much history as well because it was founded A lot later than the FA Cup but also because of the second world war it was on hiatus until i think am i right thinking 1958 or somewhere around then probably yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. it was it was on hiatus for so long so all these teams so like if you got 14-15 years where it doesn't exist that's 14-15 years worth of stories you just don't have and like because you look at like how many times like someone like like a team like ac milan only winning it five times is like like that's criminal But it's because they didn't like it it wasn't there for them to win for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's it's just a combination of facts, the factors. But I think the main reasons are the FA Cup just has generated more stories because it's been around for longer. But also these these giants, these David versus Goliath fixtures happen with so much more ease, Um, whereas in Italy it's kind of it does seem like it's very much a formality. And like, it's almost, it almost is like set up like a super cup rather than a. Straight up knockout. Sorry. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with you. No, and the thing is that you 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 said it right. Um, you might also meet so a lower league team in England might meet Manchester City in the week that they've played a Premier League game and maybe a Champions League game. But and so in Italian they would talk about uh, fixture congestion. But in my opinion, if uh, let's say Walsall play Manchester City. It's only fair that they have the advantage of playing less games, and so it makes it it makes the magic possible. And uh, I agree with you. Alessandria uh, had an incredible run a few years ago. They they did get a point, I believe, against AC Milan, but then they couldn't overturn the second leg. So yeah, I agree with you. FA Cup definitely gives more room for magic to happen. Rory, is there anything that you would like to add before we say goodbye to our good friend Finn?
2: I just feel I need to stick up for Arsenal. We are the record winners of this competition. <laughs> I need say that. <laughs> yeah, but within that, that does mean I think I was looking through the upsets and I think we have been a victim of the most giant killings as well. So, you know, You win some you lose some um there was we lost to york as well wrexham walsall so we've done it a few times we are quite good at shooting ourselves in the foot um but i think that's it that was great i really enjoyed that history lesson and hearing that the history of the fa cup is always fascinating um so thank you uh finley for coming on uh tommy anything else you want to ask before we finish
0: no finn weren't you at an fa cup game this very week
1: no. The FA Cup is in very early rounds at the moment, so it's like non-league teams. Oh, no, oh, right. I, was at the, I was at the League Cup.
0: Oh, at, right, right, right. You were actually, in the League Cup. Um, yeah. some,
1: yeah, something that uh, is going to make you very just I have actually had the fortune of going to two FA Cup finals. Because wow. in a nutshell, I had um, a family member who worked uh, for a charity that was closely affiliated with the FA, and as a result, he got tickets... Um, for matches at Wembley, and I was I, like, he always knew it was my dream to go to an FA Cup final. So I was at um, 2016 Man United versus Crystal Palace, and 2018 Man United versus Chelsea. And when um, Lingard hit that volley, like we were with the Crystal Palace fans, and there was complete silence, and you could just hear me go, "Oh my!" when he hit it, and then the <laughs> enormous cheer as it hit the net. <laughs> the moment I'll never that-
2: forget. But that means you got to see the Pardew dance live, right? You're I didn't see it. The I, I, didn't find the live. it until,
1: I didn't find out about it until I got home. It was annoying because he was oh. clearly in my eyesight. But I think <laughs> I was just standing there like at the volley. I think I would have had a heart attack if I'd seen the dance. <laughs> oh. Brilliant. I can Brilliant. say it was there, but, <laughs> but I didn't see it. As <laughs> maybe <you> would say.
0: <laughs> so... Just to wrap this up, FA Cup favourites, is it even a thing? Is it possible to call the favourite of the FA Cup so early in the season? Or is it just madness? Is it just like shooting at the stars?
1: When I do my um, Premier League predictions, I do predict who will win all the other competitions. And I do feel like it is written in the stars for Chelsea because mm. for like growing up, they had such a affinity with the FA Cup. They completely dominated it. And I think... They've obviously lost the final for the past few past two seasons. I do feel like um, it will be like there's a very good chance for them to kind of avenge their demons because a lot of the members of their squad won't have experienced the FA Cup glory they previously had. So I feel like they they probably have the best chance of lifting it, it come May.
0: Right, Chelsea fans with a lot of hope this season. Thank you very much, Philly. If you enjoyed this, you can be back once a month. We can pick other topics to discuss, other topics related to the history of football. But listeners, if you've got any topic that you would like uh, some light to be shed on, please contact us, DM us, slide into our DMs, send us an email, and we will try to listen to your request and make it happen. Philly, anything to say to our listeners?
1: um yeah well thank, thank you for taking time to listen to my guests a lot um it's been a pleasure to be on and yeah if you like what you heard today i've got so many more footballing stories that you can find on my channel J- yeah just search afc Fitness on youtube you'll find over 50 stories and i'm adding weekly i try to do between two or three videos a week we've mostly got football history but like i said at the start of the video there's um a couple of ground hopping videos i'll be adding on there as well and if you're a fan of TIFO or HITC7s, I think you'll really like my channel. And yeah, it's been growing really well recently and every sub is welcome. I'd love to interact with people. I hope you can enjoy my stories. and Yeah, I'd love to dive. I, I love diving through the history of the beautiful game. There'll be plenty more videos to go in the future. I hope to see you on the channel.
0: Podcast Network.